I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm, I'm hopeful that it works. I, I know that it will bring a lot of um, bring a lot of joy to folks, and also can I think be hopefully a, a microcosm of kind of us getting back on our feet a little bit. I, I hope that's not too Pollyanna to say, but I, but I, but I'm I'm eager to be along for the ride, and and, and certainly glad we got to this point to where we're going to see a game that counts. I, I I did uh, I did learn how to do haircuts and replace a fuse in the fuse box and I, I, I read a lot. What new skills did you pick up? Well, I'm impressed. You you undersold yourself. You cut your wife's hair, which is like different than what <laughs> I did, like taking beard trimmers to my head. Um, once we got back from spring training, you actually had to have like flair and craft. And, you know, someone approved that wasn't yourself. So I think that's more impressive. I, I, I learned how to, uh, well, I, I didn't learn how. I, I built like a flower planter device. Um, that was good. You know, got the tools out and uh, bought some some flowers and put them in there. So that was kind of my my big accomplishment. I did uh, did a lot of did a lot of cooking. Got my, mm-hmm. grill, my grill on a lot. So I feel like I've mastered that, um, at least compared to where I was. So yeah, I, I found some ways to, uh, to to make some make some good things happen. That's awesome. I uh, I also figured out uh, the volume on this thing, and and thanks to all the listeners here for uh, you know <laughs> you're, putting you're up produced, with me as I did it. Yeah, you've earned your produce your 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 podcast producer producer Eagle Scout badge merit badge, dude. They're called merit badges. Sorry, I'm trying. That's the voice of Ben Fredrickson, and this is the best podcast in baseball. Hello, everybody. I'm St. Louis Post Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. This is BPIB brought to you by Closets by Design and Ben. Happy opening day. We made it. Yes. Now, how far will we make it? Good question. <laughs> um, I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this though. I was, I will, I think it's okay to celebrate being here um, because we weren't sure, right? How this was going to work. Um, yeah. We weren't sure if this was all going to come crashing down. And there are certainly reasons to be you know, hesitant about if, if the 60 game season will last, but there are, I think also some reasons to be maybe cautiously optimistic about, about the chances of it. Um, once they got everybody in their, in their cities and, and, and started, you know, the fit started and finished the onboarding process. Um, now it's going to be about how well this show can travel. And I think that's going to be a big test, but you know, they've passed some tests to get here. And certainly I think we're, we're all in agreement that, uh, that, you know, while this could be very weird baseball and will be at times, at least I am, that I think some baseball will be better than, than no baseball. And it, it, I do think we will get to the point where it feels like, you know, baseball once we're, once we're kind of through the, the, the changes that we're going to have to deal with here. Yeah, I think that that is an interesting part of it for me is like the going to summer camp and watching these inter-squad games and all that stuff. It's been like, oh, OK, well, that's like watching one of those early spring things, you know, the ballpark is empty or, or even like watching early in the day when you go there, um, there are times where I'll go and do like an MLB network hit and it'll be one thirty, one forty-five at the ballpark. This is how it used to be. I guess you got to go back several years, but there would be guys working out on the field or there'd be a guy who's injured trying to come back or, or a pitcher throwing a live BP there early. Um, it, it had that kind of feel to it. So it wasn't all that, um, unusual, right? It just was like, oh, okay, well, this is a peek behind the curtain and this is what it's like normally. And then the Royals came to town and then they played a game and it was like, wait, now, now this, 
this is unusual. Like it just, it felt um, like, okay, I have to remind myself that this is not practice. Though that was an exhibition game, but I think that that that's something that you have to keep in mind as the season starts. That okay, no, these are the games that count, and though they feel unfamiliar and they feel a bit off, and they feel, you know, just one tick below, um, you know, I mean, just the the vibe isn't there, the atmosphere isn't there. They still count. They they may they might even count more. Um, depending on how, how you look at it. And, you know, I have to keep that in mind. Yeah, totally. And, and I think, you know, I've thought about this a lot and I've had conversations with people about, you know, this wrestling match that I think is going on with, with us as we cover these games, even the players have talked about this to some degree, you know, is this right? Is this, Mm -hmm. is this safe, but also is it, is it right? I mean, is it, is it, bright that baseball and all these other sports are taking all these, you know, tests to when, when we could get in a spot where, where somebody on the street can't get those tests. And, you know, we're kind of all trying to figure out our place. And, and what I've come down to is, is this, and, and it's really the best way I can explain it is everybody, whether you're an individual, a family, a business, um, a corp, massive corporation or beyond is trying to figure out the best way to, to handle this. Um, we're all trying to figure out, okay, is it safe to do this? Is it selfish to do that? Um, and we're all figuring out where we draw our lines and how we feel about things. And, and I think what we're watching is baseball trying to do the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. They don't pretend to have the answers. Um, they're not pretending to say that it's going to be perfect, um, but there does seem to be a collective agreement from all parties that, Hey, we want to give this a shot. And, you know, there are avenues for those who would rather not, and I feel good about that. You know, I would feel I would feel less good about the situation if there if there wasn't a clear understanding that, you know, there are there are precautions in place for those who who don't want to make that decision and don't want to try. And I get that, you know, and everybody's got their own reasoning. So I've kind of come back, come down to it as look, this is going to be a as sports often is a a kind of microcosm of what we're all doing as a country, trying to put one foot forward in front of the other in the safest way possible without, you know, completely, you know, shutting down our, our way of life. And, and it's going to be a balancing act and there are going to be mistakes and it might not work, but you know, mm-hmm. there, here we are and, and we're trying to figure it out. And I think that's where baseball is right now. Yeah. And let's, I, I, we've talked a lot through the past few months through all the, the shutdown or stoppage or quarantine or whatever you want to call it about kind of that wrestling match. And this allows us to pivot and talk baseball. We can we can yeah. talk about what's going on on the field. And that's what I wanted to do in this episode is is really advance and talk about like what have we seen baseball wise from the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, they're going to play. The games are, as we just discussed, going to count. And there will be, as you said, that tug of war between is this right? Is it is this wrong? Is it is this being done the right way? But you know, to, to borrow a phrase from baseball's past, this time it counts and they, they're going to count. They're going to try to play as far as possible and there's going to be a champion. And that allows us to talk about the Cardinals chances of being that champion. Ben, how good are they? Well, they, they are what we thought they were. Um, they are a team that's going to pitch well. They're a team that has, you know, probably elite level pitching and, and really probably world class compared to their peers depth in that pitching. 
I think we were worried, rightfully so, if that those claims of the of the depth were going to be tested early on. But now some of those guys are back. I mean, they've gotten Gallegos, Cabrera, um, you know, Reyes back from from whatever situations were keeping them out of camp. And and we're looking at a team that had to make a very hard decision about its rotation. Um, and, and, and that's a good decision to have to wrestle with. Um, so, so I think the pitching is real. We've seen that. Um, and, and their defense is outstanding still. Um, that, that doesn't look to have fallen off much. I mean, we saw some incredible plays from, from Colton and Paul and, uh, you know, you have Goldschmidt who's, you know, deserving of a gold glove every, every year he's at first base. You could have even better defense with Tommy Edmond, um, at third and Matt Carpenter at mm-hmm. TV, but it sounds like the Cardinals are excited about. And the big question is going to be there's well, there'll be two. There will be in general the offense, um, which was quiet at times during summer camp and quiet at times during spring training. And, and I think beyond that, it will be the outfield, which is yeah. you know a position the Cardinals are entering the season going, hey, we have we have one spot up for grabs in left field, and we're gonna give the first shot to Tyler O'Neill. But I think we all know. Um, that, that that could very quickly turn into a, a carousel approach in the outfield um, between Lane Thomas looking to break in, between you know what Harrison Bader and Dexter Fowler are able to do, returning to a starting outfield that has lost Marcelo Zuna and, and was really one of the poorest producing outfields offensively in the National League last year. And, oh, by the way, Dylan Carlson, who is itching at his chance to you know get through and who, who had a great spring had a, an impressive summer camp. It wasn't probably loud enough to, to create the, the firestorm necessary to force his way onto the opening day roster. And the Cardinals are probably glad that that wasn't the case. Um, well, they kind of controlled that. Too. Totally they did. Yeah. And, uh, but, but he's going to be here soon, I would think. Um, and, and that can change things drastically. So the offense and the outfield are fair questions. Uh, and that's, and that's ironically for as long as it's been since he showed up at spring training to cover this team, if, kind of what we knew going in. Nothing too much has changed. Right. The, I mean, the biggest change is Dung Young Kim is now the closer and Carlos Martinez is a starter. I mean, I think that was the the true curveball of summer camp. Yeah, big time. And I, that's a decision that, look, it looked great again, that exhibition game against the Royals. Um, I, I am a little hesitant uh, about that move. I, I think that, you know, and it's nothing against Carlos. Look, we know what Carlos can be when he's locked in and, and has that healthy shoulder. Um, he could be the best starter on this team. It wouldn't be unrealistic to wonder if Carlos could bounce back and have the year that, you know, that Jack Flaherty couldn't have. I mean, they could be one and two, maybe in, in whatever order. What we don't know is if it'll hold up. I guess there's less question, you know, with um, with the shorter season. But what we what we also don't know is is how Kim, who has never had a regular season save opportunity in Korea, will handle that role. Now, he had the one. Ten- he blew it. Okay, so he's never had a save. Yeah, uh, he we we know he certainly looked capable um, when he when he faced the, the Royals in that situation there. Yeah, but you know, look, this is a guy who's talked a lot about being routine oriented, everything from his diet on the day that he starts to his his order as preparation for his start days. Asking mm-hmm. him to get into that role is is asking a lot. Um, you know, I remember when he went to face the Twins, and there was a lot of discussion, Derek about you know just him adapting to that trip he had never been in a car that long for a ride and i mean you got to remember this guy is adjusting to the language to the country to everything and now he's going to be doing a completely different role now it could work and again it's a good problem to have but i think what the cardinals did there was they made really two against the grain decisions they put mm-hmm. putting hope in carlos that he's the starter that can be an all-star 
and they're putting the hope in Kim that he can adjust to this role that he's never really done before. So the easier decision, I think, would have been to say, hey, Kim's the starter, Carlos is the closer, and you try to sell Carlos on that role. Now, could it wind up being that? I guess it could be. But I also understand that Carlos worked hard to get that opportunity. They felt like they needed to give him that shot. And I think one thing that influenced that decision was the fact that they got Cabrera, Reyes, and Gallegos back in the fold and throwing. While they won't be there for the start of the season, maybe they will be coming soon if things go according to plan. And that gives them some more depth at the closer spot if they if they need to spin away from Kim. The the Kim Martinez tango was a departure from the norm by the Cardinals. Yeah. And I will tell you about that shortly after telling folks about our sponsor here at the best podcast in baseball. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design specializes in custom closets, pantries, laundry rooms, garages, and more. Now get 40% plus an additional 50% off. Closets by Design, 314-733-9855, 314-733-9855. That's Closets by Design of St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. Ben, for, for years and years and years, the rule of thumb with the Cardinals was the path of least resistance. The one that made the most sense was often the, the the choice that made the most sense and was the easiest for them to make was usually the choice they made. And in the Kim Martinez thing is flips that on its head. Uh, you know, they, they could have said, well, Carlos was the closer last year, 24 saves, very good. This is a weird season. We'll have to sell them on that. And Kim is a lifelong starter. He's looked impressive. He adds a lefty to a rotation that only has right-handers. Um, you know, they had all all avenues, all all the direct routes pointed towards them going with with Kim in the rotation and Martinez in the bullpen, even as they overlapped Michaelis and Martinez in a sense that allowed them to both pitch on the same day in case either of them had a setback, the other one would be ready, right? So yep. it all lined up. And yet they just they they flipped it. They they went with Kim. Um, I asked Schilt if they told Kimmy was the closer out of like respect for his performance in the spring and you know a nod to hey you you earned a role you earned a title you earned something of significance. He said that that wasn't important. It still seems like that's part of it. You know that that, that you know you nod to the veteran even though he's a rookie in the majors, but you know a guy who has had a dozen years as a professional and cranks out 28 start seasons and it was the KBO pitcher of the year not too long ago has been a champion has been a gold medal winner I mean all of it you know as a nod to him you say well you're not going to be a starter but you are going to be our closer I think there there there's a hint of professional respect there well more than a hint there's a there's an amount a spoonful of professional respect there but you know it spoke to a team that certainly was not making that was making a bold decision one that you know internally they clearly buy into even, you know, no matter what the external perception is. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, I also thought it, it, it hinted at what they might do at some point in time in the outfield, um, but they haven't yet. And, you know, they, they went with the path of least resistance in the outfield, which was not having Diller Carlson to start the season, not having a service time start, not having that whole drama of, having committed to Thomas and to O'Neill and then doubling back to go to the prospect. And instead they also kind of doubled down on it because they're taking five outfielders on the 30 man roster, not including Tommy Edmond or Ron Hell Ravello. They added Austin Dean. Dean had an excellent summer camp. He really did. 
he and Max Schrock and Lane Thomas, those are guys who really stood out during summer camp while we were there. And I want to stress that while we were there and able to watch the, the Cardinals had workouts where the media were not present. We were not permitted to be there. And so things like what Schilt was telling us about what Tyler O'Neill was doing, that was when we weren't in the ballpark. Um, but they, they had access to that obviously. And so they're working with more information than us. Um, and they usually are because it's their job to do so. So I, I just thought it was interesting, the contrast there that they went, they broke from the easy path with pitching and sided with the, you know, their strength, right? Pitching and sided with the, the direct route with offense, which is the biggest question. So it invites the, the, the follow-up, should they have gotten more creative with the area of most need? It's a totally fair question. Um, I think that one of the things to mention is that they, they don't save a, a year of, of service time with uh, the decision they made on pitching. Um, you know, Carlos and Kim have, uh, have their contracts. They're not going anywhere. Um, they can't be you know, delayed a payday by, by making, by making that, those decisions off who is in the bullpen and who is in the rotation. Um, you know, the Cardinals, they're not going to come out and say that service time is a factor in, in Dylan Carlson's um, not being on this team to start opening day. Mm-hmm. They're not going to hand him a grievance, an opportunity to win a grievance, um, you know, and, and that's and, 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 you know, we'll we'll just look at what our eyes told us. I think you and I can sit here and say pretty confidently, confidently that if you were if you were picking a, a group of outfielders today that gave this team the best chance to win in the 60 game season, we th- I think Dylan Carlson would be in that group. Um, I, I feel that comfortably. Um, I don't want to speak for you, but based off what we saw in spring, based off of how we saw him play in center field during the summer camp, um, yeah, yeah, he'd be in that group for me. Um, and I'm not, but I'm not the one who has to cut him a check for you know the, the, to keep him you know from not reaching free agency or put him through arbitration a year earlier. So you know this is an open secret in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. We're even seeing some players in Dylan Carlson's. Um, you know, position, acknowledge it, uh, you know, and, and not as uh, not as it making them angry as, as, as them understanding it. Now, his comments to you, it doesn't sound quite like he's OK with it. He's frustrated by it. And I don't blame him, but mm. it's not going to change until these guys work out a different approach with, you know, with owners in a, in a CBA negotiation. You know, Gavin Lux of the Dodgers gets sent down. They said he, you know, they didn't like some of his fundamentals. Would that be the case if the service time issue wasn't there? Probably not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you look at Nate Pearson, who probably should be in the Blue Jays' rotation, um, and, and he's not going to be at least not that first week of the season. And you've written this and written it really well. Is that you know the 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 benefit of waiting until those first five or six games has never been so clear because of this compacted season. It's very easy for teams to justify, wait a week, save a year. Um, that thinking is very, very much there. And the Cardinals do have the defense of saying, and I understand, you know, to some degree, this 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 explanation of, hey, we've promised these guys regular reps and, mm-hmm. and you know, and they're going to get it. I mean, Tyler O'Neill has never started more than 30 games in a season. Um, Lane Thomas has had even less experience. Um, and how much time will they get? Maybe it might be a week <laughs> because, you know, right, if, if they're right. not producing, if they're not winning, I mean, the outfield is going to be under a microscope and you're kidding yourself if, if you think it's just left field. 
It's not. Um, you know, it, it's going to spill over into all facets here pretty quick. But in order to do this, they can say, hey, we're giving these guys the first crack at it. And we're also, you know, what they're, what's not being said is it's going to help them on that, on that year. So, you know, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, you've explained it really well. It's, we can him and haw about it. We can get mad. And, 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 and I understand the fans are mad. I understand if Dylan Carlson's mad, but he's not going to win a grievance. You know, Chris Bryant would have had a much better case. And, you know, it's not going to change until the players change it through, you know, the next CBA. So, you know, and they probably will. <laughs> yeah. It's possible that Dylan Carlson will be the last or the next to last generation that has to deal with this. Well, yeah. And it's also that's why. And, and you made a great point. When we were talking about this once. You said it's the reason why you don't keep him down after that week, because the process will, will probably change <laughs> underneath. This right. You know, so. Right. The idea of not playing him this whole season, it, it's probably not going to help you because after 2021, these players are going to force the owners to re- recognize that they are benefiting from younger talent all the time. So these guys are need to get paid more sooner. So yeah. it's, it's unfortunate for, for Dylan. I think he's done everything in his position to, to make the case. Um, and we saw in spring training how he was starting to get fewer opportunities because he was making such a good case. <laughs> we yeah. Saw- yeah disappear on us um, because of his opportunities were drying up. So look, if you're, for those who are following along, it's very clear to see what's happening. Um, and we said from the beginning, he was going to not have, not have a, a great spring, but a, one that was so obvious, um, you know, a, a, a man on fire spring and summer when we became aware there was going to be a summer camp. And he certainly had a great one, but, but he probably, he probably didn't, have quite the the one that made it would have made it so such a big topic. Although I do mm-hmm. wonder what he could have done. What more could he have done? And probably to some degree, the other topics that that have that have been talked about in baseball, the the virus, um, you know, this this discussion that the league is having about social justice and all these mm-hmm. other distractions from the actual baseball side of things has probably in some way hurt his argument because he would be the biggest story today. In a, in a quote unquote normal opening day, people would want to know why isn't and, and they do want to know, but but that the clamor is not quite as loud because the world's upside down. But right. but in right. some ways that probably hurt him a little bit too. Well, and some of his performance happened in secret too at summer camp. Yep. And but I mean, goodness, don't you think that one of the you said the biggest curveball of the I guess what what are we calling this the spring summer I mean the spummer summer whatever summer, <laughs> summer camp. This curveball was was you know, the, the flip with Kim and Carlos, but the, the, maybe the, maybe the biggest revelation is that Carlson looks to me like he can play center field right now at Bush Stadium. Yeah. Beat him too. yeah. He, I thought that was something that, that he really showed, um, you know, that, that, that's, that was a big takeaway. And then, and then his last plate appearance there against the Royals, he goes up against one of the Royals relievers who's on their opening day roster and, you know, falls behind one, two, Fouls off a pitch, falls off 97 miles per hour, fouls off 98 miles per hour, and then works a nine-pitch walk. You know, I mean, there's a moment, right, where he could have been swinging for the fences thinking this is my last chance to make this opening day roster, and what did he do? You know, he showed who he was. He took the bat to kind of – that his manager is saying this team needs to take to to have a Absolutely. Yeah. I've been struck by, you know, everything about watching him. He just – Everything just seems to be it's not effortless, but it's 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 just uh, smooth 
You know, yeah. see these guys, you know, some of these guys get into the box and they're, it's the bat flips and it's the heavy breathe. It's just, and it, there's just a lot of moving parts. A lot of stress. They, just, you know, they, they, they turn, like, turn like the bat into sawdust. Yeah. He just gets in and he, you know, he composes himself. It almost, he almost looks like he's about to shoot a free throw. Yeah. And, and yeah. then he puts that sweet swing and it's like, man, this guy, I tell you what, man, he looks like, he looks like a professional hitter. And and you saw him make some amazing catches in center. So I, I think the hype is real. Um, I'm not telling you you don't anything you don't know. You've been telling us for a long time that that this guy's going to be special. Um, and we haven't seen anything, you know, as he's gotten closer and closer to suggest that he won't be. So the Cardinals do see that um, they might be downplaying things. But I tell you what, if that outfield is is bone dry in terms of production. After five games, and I don't think we'll be hearing much more about how how, how he needs to develop. <laughs> how uh, what do you put those? What do you put the chances of that at? I think they're pretty high. I mean, <laughs> we haven't seen a lot from the outfield this summer. I did like that. You know, you gotta like the at bat that Tyler O'Neill took against the Royals there in the in the exhibition. Mm-hmm. But, you know, entering that um, entering that that game that was that inter squad game that was rained out. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty rough there, man. And again, we don't see everything. And again. You know, inner squad games are not uh, are not always the best measure, but they're the only thing we have to evaluate. And and, it, and through seven of them, I think the outfield, the starting outfield, was something like eight for thirty six with ten strikeouts and two walks. They had one extra base hit. Um, that was before you know Lane Trump, Lane Thomas had the triple. I think, or maybe it, that maybe that was the triple. But I mean, that was kind of similar to what we saw what we saw last year. Um, I don't know what to think about Dexter. We haven't seen enough of him really. Um, you know, he didn't play a lot in this camp, so it's hard to get a read on that. Um, I thought Bader actually had, of the of those guys, had the most impressive camp. Um, and then Tyler O'Neill, you know, we kept hearing about how great a camp he was having, but the numbers numbers didn't justify that. Um, clearly, his at-bat against the Royals did, but I wouldn't be surprised if the outfield lags to, to start the season here at all. Do you – so you give it – I mean, what's your level of patience, though, and for who? Is there is there a gradient scale? Like, I mean, basically, is everything graded on a curve? Like, say, you know, Bader has a different delta than Fowler. Fowler has a different delta than O'Neill. It has a different delta than Lane Thomas. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like you can attach, like, five days to all these guys, right? Or, or, or because the season is so short, can you? Can you just make it a blanket thing? Um, because I, I'm really interested in the, this idea that maybe the shortness of the season and the oddity of the season gives them a reason to not let a veteran find his way all that long. You know, because you could go to him and go, hey, look, man, I know it's small sample size and everything, but it's just not there for you. Let's look at 2021. We're moving to another direction. Hey, you know, we're going to find a way to use you. But hey, man, you know, it's just not there. It's like. It's like you just don't have the the shooting touch. You mentioned basketball. You just don't have the shooting touch today. You got you know, the there's another game later, but it's not there right now. I, I wonder if you can do that a little quicker with everybody, just because of the oddity of the season. The way I would see it playing out, if it does happen, would be would be more of hey, we're going to start to make this a a outfield by committee situation. Um, you know, Carlson comes up, you probably send you know Dean out. And then you start doing matchups based off of who's got, you know, who's hitting well. And, and then all of a sudden it, it kind of, if something sticks, then you have a new starting outfield. And if it doesn't, then you continue to have kind of a cycle and you start to get Carlson into that mix. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's obviously going to be with, with some of this is going to be impacted by a couple things, right? Is the team winning? Um, there's obviously uh, more time bought. You, there's you, more time for an underperforming outfielder or outfield in general. If the team is winning, if you're winning games two to one, there's, there's, there's every win is a case that, okay, this can work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Losing then it's pressure to look for, for more offense. Um, so that's something that I think is going to be, it's going to be a big factor there. Um, defense too will be a factor. I mean, that's, that's the case for, for Harrison, although it, maybe it's not as strong of a case now, considering the guy who's going to be the first outfielder off the bench in Lane Thomas can play center and the guy waiting in Springfield can play center as we saw at summer camp. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's going to be, maybe there will be less talk of, Hey, Harrison's elite defense. I think this is going to be a year where he has to do something with the bat. Um, yeah. yeah. Dexter, yeah. The, the pressure will be on Dexter because we don't have data from this off season that suggests that he's going to be a competitive, you know, competitive major league hitter. I don't know how else to say it. He had a pretty quiet spring. It was a bad spring for him in terms of results. And he, you know, the back kept him out of a lot of the summer camp. So I think a hot start is more most important for him because there aren't a lot of results that we have seen. The Cardinals maybe have different different things to look at, but we just haven't seen much much from him. He's not he hadn't been hitting line drives. He hadn't been getting the ball out of the, out of the infield very much, and it's, so it's hard to say. Okay, there's a body of work there lately that suggests that he's going to be you know he's going to be locked in. Um, I think he had like, you know, what, less than about 10 at bats in the, in the, in the summer games. And he was, I think three for 31 with a lot of strikeouts at spring training. Um, now he's got a track record there uh, as a veteran. And, but, but I think you'd like to see that's going to be that discussion that Schilt was having about when we were asking about Carpenter and Fowler early on. And he was yeah, talking yeah. about 60 game season. It's going to be on him. Schilt to decide is a guy, you know, is a guy close you know, is he getting bad results because of, you know, sometimes it's, it's, you hit a guy, you hit the ball hard to where somebody is, um, or is it, is it a lack of an approach or is it, you know, is he in a bad place with his swing? Um, yeah, that's yeah. that's going to be, I think that's going to be the discussion for, for Fowler. I think it would also, that, that same thing applies to Matt Carpenter, but we've seen some results here in summer camp that suggest that Absolutely. he's, out, he's in a good place. I mean, the, the bats that he's taking, the balls that he's hitting, you see Matt Carpenter there, um, you know the good Matt Carpenter, and, and I, th- I we haven't seen that from from Dex. We've seen him work walks and and work counts, and that's you know that's going to be a skill that he could probably do when he's fifty five is get up there and tell you what's a ball or a strike. But at some point, I think you're going to need him to to you know get on base without getting a walk, and and that's what they're going to have to find out pretty fast. Yeah, I think yeah. the the Cardinals lineup sets up to be kind of a truism of baseball, one that you know we've kind of we've revisited every so often and and famously Colton Wong got caught in right is this idea that like you're not entirely control of you're not entirely in control of your spot in the lineup because the offensive performance of others allows for them to make different um you know allows them to make different decisions right like you can go with an all defensive center fielder right if the other eight spots in the order are producing you can go with an all glove shortstop if the corner infielders are hitting like, you know, all-star corner infielders, you know, you, you look at the offense, the phrase that Schilt uses a lot is holistic, right? And he's talking about like the offense as a whole, the team as a whole, you know, not just 
on the on the side of the the game with the bat, but also on the side of the game with the glove and everything. But it is, you know, a, a sliding scale that you're trying to arrive at your best mix of team, right? And the more offense that's produced by, say, like Carpenter and Goldschmidt, the more defense they can turn to in center field. So if they're slumping at the top of the order, then you're going to see them make different decisions about who's in the bottom of the order and how much they're willing to give less glove for more bat and, and so on and so forth. So like in Harrison's case, it, it, it's, it's similar with him in the lineup that it was for Dylan Carlson trying to get on the roster. It's not entirely all within his control. He needs the performance or the lack of performance of others to help make that decision. Dylan Carlson could have had a whiz-bang pow awesome spring training or summer camp that, like you said, grabbed people by the lapels and said you got to force them on there and still might have needed other guys to struggle to make that happen. Harrison Bader can be a dynamo in center field and show improvement offensively and still maybe not hold on to that job because of struggles elsewhere in the lineup from other guys who are going to play every day. Um, it's just a, it, I find that an interesting truism of baseball of the guys who control their own playing time and the guys whose playing time are subtly hitched to other wagons. Totally. I mean, I have viewed the outfield as, as a completely, you know, the best way that I think of it, it's in dry erase marker Mm. um, entering this season, no matter what I'm told, because it just, when you have, when a team that wins, the you know the division and gets to the NLCS has a, an infield that's not going anywhere anytime soon right now um, and, and a locked in catcher and you know the, the question is the offense and the outfield as a unit was one of the worst in the National League and you've got a top prospect who's an outfielder you've got a glutton of outfielders in the system and you've got a lot of guys who haven't locked down positions or has moved positions I mean the Cardinals Derek have not had a center fielder lead this team in innings played in center field and back-to-back years since John Jay. So you you can't tell me that, that everything is set. Now we've learned, you know, the Cardinals like to have a plan where they say, Hey, this guy's the starter. And that there's reason for that. I mean, how would any of us feel if, if our boss walked in day one and said, Hey, you know, you got the job today, but there's this kid, you know, graduating from college. who's probably going to take it from you in a year from now. That wouldn't instill a lot of confidence in us. Would it? Um, so the Cardinals say, Hey, the, these are our guys, but actions have told us that, you know, they are willing to spin the cycle for, for a search for more. I mean, we've seen Randall Gritchick in center field. We've seen Tommy Pham in, in center field and the list goes on and on. So they're going to continue to look what they say they want and what they say they're going to do to start this season will not be what they do if they don't get the production. So right, why would right. that, that's not going to change. So the outfield is really the only place where you can really hit the spin cycle for the lineup. And, and that's yeah, going to happen if they're not scoring runs and if they're not winning games. And DH. And, and they can do DH, you know, yeah. and, 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 and Carpenter, yeah. but like, yeah. if, you know, if, if Brad Miller does rejoin the team and he's got that lefty sock, you might see him. I mean, Matt Wieters, Andrew Kisner and Yadier Molina are all on the team. Could you see some of them get the DH? I think that's a tougher question because, you know, you're asking, What's the what's the upside there of who are they replacing? Um, Tommy Edmond had a good summer camp. Uh, he did. I, you know, he was. Uh, I think some of these guys, you know, you just kind of gloss over because they're a given, right? I, I don't know if that's the case with Tommy Edmond. He 
led the team with an 850 OPS. But, you know, the question was, was that sustainable? Was that going to be who he is as a hitter? It might not be, but that kind of production or that kind of possibility, was it going to be sustainable or was he going to see the league adjust and and really have an acute drop-off? I don't know. His summer camp, he showed, man, he's, he's walking more. He's more aware of that. And that is sort of the first step or, or really the most important step for him, you know, to become more consistent as a hitter and and sort of uh, stay ahead of any changes that are coming by opponents against him. So I think, you know, that was a that was a strong summer camp for him. Um, again, it was against his own pitchers, but he knows and he knows them as well or better than anybody. But it, it showed a diligence on his part to, um, you know, to 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 add that to his game, that then that's going to be vital for him to stay in the lineup. Um, you know, I think what you mentioned, you know, um, you mentioned Carpenter, right? And he's a different hitter. I don't think there's any other way to put it. He's been anything you could have wanted to see from him. He's doing. Um, he's he's working the counts. He's got that power. You know, those balls that were dying on the warning track um, are now leaving the ballpark. Um, he's going the opposite way, um, and. It, you know, again, we've we've talked about this guy at spring training. Just the and, and and this isn't a it wasn't a surprise because Matt has never been one who has has not talked candidly about his performance. But I was impressed and kind of taken aback by just the willingness he was to just turn the magnifying glass on himself and just it was as if he had wrestled with that demon and he was done with it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a guy who was caught. Sometimes you talk to guys who are caught in between trying to work through issues with their swing or, you know, it's, it's still very sensitive. And Matt had like, he gave the impression of a guy who had turned the page. Yeah. And we've, we've seen that since, um, you know, when you hear Schilt talk candidly about him finding his identity as a hitter again, I mean, that's a kind of comment that if a guy was sensitive, he would, he would, he would not like that his manager. Yeah. Speaking yeah. That. And Matt Carpenter knows it's true. I, I think some of those balls are going to go out. He's added a little bit more weight. I never really, you know, if, if you, you there were a lot of balls that he hit last year that were that were long, high outs, and you could watch oh, that go. There the left field, he, he was like just, whenever he went the other way, it was a fly out to seven. Right? How, how many home runs was he ten pounds away from last year? Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. That, I, I wondered that, and, and now he's got him back. So I, I think, and I think he's going to really embrace the DH role. And I think that makes a ton of sense. That that's the probably the best way to use it. It won't be the only way they use it. But as we saw in that in that game yesterday against the Royals, you know he's not going to win you a Gold Glove at third base. He just isn't. I think Edmund is a Edmund is a better defensive option there for a defense first infield. Carpenter likes the idea of the DH, and I think he mm-hmm. likes the idea of being able to focus on his hitting. So that would be that makes a ton of sense to me. There are three things that the Cardinals can really cling to offensively that were clear in spring and underscored, emphasized, amplified in summer camp. And that is Colton Long at leadoff. I mean, he asserted himself as the team's leadoff hitter and really didn't give them any reason not to make that happen um, during summer camp. Just continued looking like a guy who he was the second half of last year. Just a a lot to like there. The other one was Carpenter, clearly reconnected with his inner double monster and, uh, you know, the the on-base percentage and the gap power, the the line-to-line hitter that he could be, and then Paul DeYoung at cleanup. There there probably wasn't a better timed-up hitter in spring than Paul DeYoung. I mean, he was, he was one hit below hitting 500 in Grapefruit League 
when the when the games came to a halt and he continued on into summer camp um you know he he hit difficult pitching he was not um he was not deterred by anything and then he goes up there against the Royals and in spots where he really struggled last year he produced runs against the Royals I, I think he's a guy who clearly knew what was missing from his season last year knew what he wasn't doing right with an approach studied it researched it all the things that you know we're gonna say about him because you know he's got the academic background and you know that these are the words that fit and makes for real good writerly sentences but he did all that and then he uh you know and then he implemented it i mean i i think i think what paul de young did at cleanup and what matt carpenter did to revitalize himself were really interesting instructions or peeks into what was possible with time to completely reinvent themselves or to augment their weaknesses. Yeah, I think that's that, that's well said. They're they're that the infield is going to have to be the bulk of the offensive um, uptick for the Cardinals. I, I think yeah. we can all. Yeah. I think that's very clear, and it's too much to put on young Dylan Carlson and expect him to come in late and, you know, lift this team offensively. He, he could be a part of it. Um, and I, and I, and I don't want to put a lid on his potential even as a rookie, but this, this lift is going to have to come literally, you know, from, from guys who have been around the block a little bit and it's specifically guys in the infield. And it could take pressure off of that, that shaky outfield situation. The young is, um, man, he just, I think he would be the player on the team who was most punished if there wasn't a season. Um, yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah. In his age, I wish that the folks who are constantly clamoring for, for Arenado and for Lindor and for all these other shortstops and third basemen or, you know, shortstops that would move to younger third base. And, and I get it, you know, and, and fans should, should want the best players in baseball to play for their team. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. However, don't overlook the guy that that is developing for the Cardinals at shortstop. You know, he, mm-hmm. the first it was could he could the could he you know could he do it defensively? And he makes plays now that that Lindor makes. Um, you know, he might not make everyone, but he's making some of them. And and I'm telling you, it's like every year he defines he he takes a step forward defensively. That just when we think we know what his ceiling is, there he's making a play that that breaks through it. Yeah, and, and you yeah. know, attack this this whatever it was that, that was getting in his head um, when, with the runners on scoring, with the runners on base and in scoring position. And he's and kind of like Carpenter. He, he didn't ignore it. He went after it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's into some weird stuff, man. He likes the sound therapy. And and, and I, I feel like he's trying to, yeah, he's, I don't know. I mean, maybe I need to do some of that stuff. But, hey, if it whatever works. Breathing hey, exercises. He's really <laughs> helped him calm down in those situations. And, yeah. and he, you know, kudos to him. He, he used a word that you don't you rarely hear players use. And he told me that he experienced anxiety with runners in scoring position, that, that that's, that's, what, that's what he he felt like. And so he's really turned to, and he brings it up too. Like, I'll, you know, I'll ask him about it. Like you think back to that first inner squad game that they had, right. And he just tags the ball with a runner in scoring position. And, and I asked him about that later and he brought it up. He goes, you know, I've just really bought into rethinking my approach and, you know, I have these breathing exercises I can do and I don't let the, situation get away from me and you know it's like okay and there's just you know some of it you know i mean look we we hear a lot of explanations and you know Schilt likes to say every situation is a situation and the approach is the same no matter what spot you're in and 
a lead off, and he wants the guys to not have a different thought if they're batting fifth or batting seventh, all that stuff, right? And sometimes it can be like, okay, that's what you're telling us, so we stop asking, right? That's the answer that you're going to give us. And, you know, if we were, you know, behind closed doors, you might give a different answer. Or if you thought we were hitters, you might give a different answer. But this is an answer that, yeah, is honest and fair, but it's also one that it's like, you know, stop asking that. Like Paul, like almost invites the next question with some of his explanations, right? Like he's, he's, he's very honest about it. Like, okay, here's where I was. It's somewhat like Carpenter. Carpenter, though, would like bruise himself, whereas Paul would take you through his like scientific method to solve it, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, yeah, Carpenter would you I'm into heavy breathing exercises, heavy sighing on deadline. <laughs> doesn't help are, much. You are? You're yeah, going to, yeah. you know, I, I won't, will I be able to hear that or we're at a distance, so we won't be able to. Yeah. It'll be caught in the mask, thankfully. So, uh, yeah, that's the, you won't be able to see my ter- terror ridden, stressed I face. Like, I feel like I'm missing something by not having like some kind of, do I, do I have writerly ticks? You've been around me a lot. Do I, do I have them? I feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> yeah, do you have writerly ticks. How much time do we have left on the podcast here? We 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 have plenty. Do I? <laughs> Ask your poor dented keyboard. I I type fast and I type hard. Yes, yeah, that is true. And I it's I'm I'm on my third keyboard on this um, computer. <laughs> but to my credit, I did install each of them. Yeah. Well, you need to find one made of like. Mixed between Kevlar and titanium, perhaps. But that's not a writerly. That's just like a habit. Like I don't have like uh, I got to put my soda here. I got to listen to this music, or I have to have complete silence, or I got to move. You know, do I? I don't. Think no, so. I think I think the only post dispatch operating procedures is that we just have to have the proper level of angst. That's really, that's really it. Oh, I'm dialed up on angst, man. <laughs> I am. I am an eighty on the angst scale. I'm. I am eighty. I'm eighty strong. On angst. Um, I am though excited. But I have a can do attitude. Yeah, like I do. can do that. I can I, do that on deadline. How fast do you need it? You need you need eleven hundred words in twenty minutes. I can do that. I'll say this. Um, you need to ride outside the, of Bush Stadium. I, I can I can do that. Yeah, for all of the the, the hurdles and the um, just the the challenges that we that come to covering baseball during this and also await it. It has been awesome to be back at the ballpark, even in a different capacity and to see folks and our colleagues and even our, you know, our competitors. And, you know, that's been, that's been, that's been fun, man. It's been, it's been good. So, uh, you know, we always wonder what's this going to be like and, and is it, is it not, is it worth it, but, but is it right? And, and it has, it's felt good and it's, it's been, that's been, uh, that's been a good thing. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that it works. I I know that it will bring a lot of, um, bring a lot of joy to folks and also can, I think, be hopefully a, a, you know, a microcosm of kind of us getting back on our feet a little bit. I hope that's not too Pollyanna to say, but, uh, but, I, but, I, but I'm, I'm eager to be along for the ride and, and, and certainly glad we got to this point to where we're going to see a game that counts. So let's cycle back then to the question that started this, the baseball question. Are the Cardinals any good? I mean, they, by their measuring stick, championship is good. So let's hold them to that. This year isn't any different. You you wrote that very well in the season preview. Um, you know, the asterisks aside, 2020's championship is going to mean the same as any of them. Um, it may mean even more to the people who win it because of everything that they had to go through to get it. So are the Cardinals 
championship contender? Are they are they good enough? I think any team can find themselves being a championship contender in a 60-game season. Oh, I read that about the Royals this week. I don't know that the Royals have enough healthy players right now to uh to be to be there. But I mean a team that a team that has talent and starts the season hot is mm-hmm. going to be have to be considered as as a threat. I mean, I would never think the White Sox could potentially win a World Series this year in a 162 game season. I could absolutely see them doing it this season. Sure. Um, you know, so you know, the teams that lost 100 plus games last year and didn't make significant additions probably not, but teams above that line, I think they with the right with the right energy and with the right with the right things breaking their way could be could be in it. So I would say yes, the Cardinals could. Will they? Um, I think the Reds to win the division. I think I like their rotation um, to start. Um, I don't know that their pitching depth is there, but if there's ever going to be a season where maybe you, you can get by with not as much, if guys stay healthy and on the field, then mm-hmm. maybe they could work. Their lineup is scary good. Um, it's going to be super tight again. This division is. Um, the Cardinals and the Reds have an advantage because they get both, they both get ten games against the the worst teams in the AL Central. I think that matters a lot more than than where they play home or away. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot more. Three games, three extra games against those two bad teams could help you a ton in a in a tight race. So, I, I had Reds as the division champs with the Cardinals as the wild card. But we still, as we're recording this, there's a chance of there being that expanded postseason mm-hmm. um, it being worked out by first pitch. So that would even help the Cardinals' chances. Um, would I not shock me at all. No, I I could see that happening once they. And I really do think we say this every year to some degree, but this will not be a. Um, this 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 will this will not be a case of there being you know a clear favorite once the postseason happens. I think any team that gets in could could wind up winning the damn thing. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean that's sort of. So what I guess in, in short to answer your question, I think yeah, uh, I think the Cardinals a Cardinals team that that is going to be really good at pitching and really good at defense and questionable on offense until proven otherwise could be one of the one of the last teams standing here. Give me the give me your rundown then on the division real quick. I think the Reds so win it. Reds win it. Yeah, the Cardinals second yep. wild card. Yeah, Pittsburgh then, afterthought. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. I'll say Cubs, uh, Cubs, Brewers. But again, it could be you know throw them in a hat. I mean, the, to me, the, the thing, the thing that no one talks about, I think it's kind of interesting, is like the Cubs. When mm-hmm. you look at their position players, they are they're loaded still. Yeah, <laughs> pitching. You know, their pitching is is going to be the question. To me, I don't. The defense is going to be their biggest question. If they play better defense, they're they're going to be a team that should score runs, and 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 it's going to be up to their pitching to put the defense in a position to be good. Um, the the Brewers are fascinating because they made a lot of like lateral ish moves. Um, mm-hmm. they, should, they should have power, but you know they're going to pull pitching out of nowhere again, like they always do. And I think that if if there's a manager in the division who will find ways to to sharpen some sort of an advantage in this goofy season, it's got to be Council. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not, I'm not ready to write them off yet. The only team that I'm not interested in even in, in, in any sort of, you know, competitiveness is the Pirates. But that means that every team that wants to win the division better beat up on those guys. You know, if the Cardinals, if the Cardinals shoot themselves in the foot by 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 starting slow against the Pirates, then that could come back to bite them. Um, yeah. And this this is the season where you'll actually people will actually will remember those games. You know, right? right. <laughs> you see, every game matters. Um, but we really don't think about the first two, three series where, where teams are slow out of the gate sometimes. And, uh, now we will, you know, in a 60 game season, you will remember how a team starts. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you had the so who'd you have winning the NL pennant? I had well, I, I had the, the the Dodgers winning the pennant, um, and I had the the Twins coming out of the American League, and I had the Twins winning the the World Series. I think they find a way to get past the the big bad Yankees. The the Yankees who uh, may have the president throw out the first pitch at some point in time this year, according to reports coming out of New York. So that'll be interesting. Well, so it's gonna it, be gonna be so be, many fascinating things. The Cardinals are gonna play. Oh boy. Um, the Cardinals are going to play in, in Iowa. The Cardinals are going to play the White Sox in Iowa. There's going to be a home run into the corn. It could be where Dylan Carlson makes his major league debut because, you know, Hey, wouldn't I'll write the heck out of that. Right. Um, Trump throws out the first pitch. You got Fauci threw out the first pitch for opening night. Um, it's going to be just a fascinating year, man. There, there's a chance that there's just like, I, I think, I think there's a chance that baseball just has eyes riveted to it in, in new ways. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that's, that's enough that baseball gives the fans a reward of, of some kind of flicker of magic every day. That would be awesome. Absolutely. I think the, the, the central is going to be the, the best division to watch again, because it will be wire to wire. I, re- I really do. I really do believe that. Um, and even an expanded postseason might take some luster out of that. But uh, but but still, you know, then you could have the injury roll over into the, the playoffs. So I'm thankful that the division has so many competitive teams. The Pirates are obviously not one of them anymore. But uh, but certainly for for folks who just want to sit down and watch a game every day, there's there's interest in that. But also there's going to be I think I think there will be more interest in watching other teams in the division play. Yeah, um, yeah. season because okay. it it's feels like a you know it's manageable. If you wanted to watch every other team in the division's other games during 162 game season, you would watch baseball all day, every day. And some people do that, but you know, I, I do think this will have more of a, it's really just two tournaments uh, to be honest. That's what it's going to feel like. Oh, that's so, an interesting way to put it. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, I was talking with a player and I was like, it's kind of like March madness baseball style only <laughs> three months. Like you could write a bracket, right? Almost. Yes. But it's just going to be three months of it. Yeah, and and I think that uh, you know, it's not it's not what we're used to, but it is you know kind of going back full circle to what we started with. It is better than the alternative, which is sitting around twiddling our thumbs or building planters or or replacing fuses. Right? I mean, this is this is better than that. I, I think, although those things were nice to learn. Or risking a marriage with a haircut. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, that is that that gives uh, that gets the award of the uh, of the downtime for sure in my book. Does it? It does. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. impressive. Great, thanks, thanks. I, I appreciate that. I like the fact that we have done now twenty podcasts here between the last time the Cardinals played a Grapefruit League game and opening day. Twenty podcasts, one one for every week of this time without baseball, and there still seem to be plenty to talk about, just like there still seem to be plenty to write about. And, uh, you know, I, I hope they've gotten better. They've gotten different. Um, and I'm eager to hear from people about how, you know, how the podcast grew in this time, probably more so, uh, than, than at any other point, considering so many of them, all of them had to be done remote. So it took some, some redefining of the podcast in a way that hopefully it improves us. And, and I think the same is true for how we wrote for the newspaper. It took some redefining about how we look for stories, what reporting we do, how we go out and chase them, and and also how we connect uh, with the readers in, in ways. Fall is coming back at a time when the virus is still 
surging, um, mm-hmm. blazing through the country. And the question that is often asked is like, well, why did, why when, you know, the virus was just starting to peak, did they stop? And now that it's still going through a surge, are they starting up again? Well, they are betting that they are in a better position now with more information, more safeguards in place than if they had just continued along with business as usual. And no business is usual, but business can be proactive and business can adjust and business can evolve, to, or we'll see what, what baseball has to offer to the fans or how res- responsive they are to it. Are you going to live stream your uh, road trips? What about like a 24-hour, 24-7 podcast where you just like yeah. you with a GoPro? No, I'm just going to do it on Snapchat. Is Snapchat a thing? Is Snap, Snapchat still a thing? Or what, what do the kids do now? That, yeah, I think so. Should I TikTok Although, it? Yeah, I don't know. There, some, there's something about like all the, the hacking going on with Snapchat. You should... You should maybe just uh, maybe just do Instagram stories. I, I, I yeah, you know we we there hasn't been a word yet as we're recording this, but look for expanded playoffs, my man. All right, the more the better. It's a weird season, though. Like we really can't. Yeah, you said it well. Embrace the weird. I'm getting I'm getting mad about stuff. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, there's more important things to get mad about at this point right now. <laughs> Absolutely. You can find all of Ben Fredrickson's coverage and all of our Cardinals coverage from opening day and onward. We're going to go, well, as you mentioned, Ben, I'm going to go on the road with the Cardinals and try to give the best coverage possible by being at the site and uh, taking our readers there as best I can with me. Um, You know, it's important that we we give the best and most expansive coverage to the subscribers. And we know, I know the the responsibility um, that comes with covering baseball at the Post-Dispatch and the the standards set by the guys and gals who covered baseball here before me, you know, that, that have really set the standard for what baseball coverage at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch is. And I think we will aim to achieve that every day as, as a group at the at the ballpark here in St. Louis and as a group with when when even when they're away. So you can find all that stuff at stltoday.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. You can find the best podcast in baseball anywhere you get your podcasts on Stitcher, um, it's all over the place. Seriously, we've, we've really been able to expand the places where it can be reached. And of course, it's on iTunes, individual episodes. You can subscribe. Please subscribe. Subscriptions make the sponsorships possible. And sponsorships have been why we've been able to do this every week through the through the through the stoppage. Without games, there's still been podcasts because of the subscriptions. You can rate and review. You can give me feedback as to whether you like the what the what the podcast has become. You can give me feedback on whether or not you want me to continue having Ben Fredrickson on as a, as a guest or co-host. Oh no! <laughs> don't don't put that poll up. I, I will. The best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. Get organized with Closet by Design of St. Louis. Update your closet, garage, office, pantry, more. Call one eight hundred by Design. Ben, it's been a pleasure talking with you. It's been a pleasure doing these podcasts. It's been even better to see you at the ballpark, which is where I will see you for the series as the Cardinals open the season at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Usually uh, the podcast over this time I've been, I've been signing off with, you know, just encouraging people to stay informed and stay healthy and I'll still do that. But I also want to just tell everybody happy opening day. Absolutely. I will see you there. I'll be there with, I would say I'll be there with bells on, but I'll be there with my mask on and, uh, and looking forward to it. And yeah, congrats everybody. Um, baseball is back. It's going to look a little different, but it's but it's baseball, and and hopefully um, it brings some some joy and some excitement, and and we we get to see this thing finish out. So fingers crossed, and and let's enjoy it. I look forward to trying to rise to the occasion of the history we're going to get to see. I'll be heavy sighing along with you. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll get my own haircuts. Thanks. 